every time we would read the script at the table reads, it was like getting a Christmas gift because I was just like, what wonderful thing are we going to learn this week? Welcome to EW's Binge Community, where we're doing a deep dive of the NBC cult classic comedy. I'm Derek Lawrence. And I'm Chancellor Agard. And today we're feeling like freshmen again and talking season one in our introduction to the world of Greendale. On this episode, we're going to be joined by Joel McHale, uh, one of our favorite Greendale alums. Um, before getting into that fun conversation, Chance, let's talk season one a little bit, set up, set up our interview with Joel. A lot of the things with, with comedies, I mean, any show really, but I feel like especially comedies, first episodes are tough and first seasons are tough. Um, it usually takes you a while to get going. Um, but for you, what stood out from the way community started? It really feels like a strong, uh, a strong start for, for a freshman comedy. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, it, 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 rewatching season one, I was surprised by how much of it works even from the beginning. You know, and I think it's because I mean Dan had Dan Harmon had this soft foundation, which was like about this study group and their relationship, and that allowed him to do so much, especially in those early episodes where we're figuring out what these relationships will be and how they and how they would change and evolve, and sort of also the show even like evolving beyond what you could thought. I mean, I think one of the cool things how like. Pierce and Troy were supposed to be the, the sort of uh, the the dynamic duo of this group. Um, but then because they had to uh, because they had to film some outros, they saw the chemistry between Danny and uh, between Danny and Donald. And they're like, no, that's the that's the that's the dynamic duo. And I liked rewatching. I liked being able to. I liked watching the show figure out how that would, how that friendship would work. I mean, that arguably is one of the most important moments then in the show's history, and really led it to be what it became. Well, yeah, like I said, me and Chance will we'll go in depth on season one as a whole. Um, but before that, uh, let's go to our conversation with Joe McHale, who obviously uh, played Jeff Winger. As a reminder, unfortunately, since we're all stuck at home in quarantine, these conversations were recorded over Zoom. Today we're talking season one of Community, and we're joined by Joe McHale, who played Jeff Winger. Yeah! <laughs> Come on, guys. Clap it up. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, live We're studio live. audience. <laughs> Season During one, let's pandemic. go. <laughs> live from my bedroom. Um, are you are you in your bed? No, you're not in your bed. I am. Sorry. I am. Oh, no, that's a bed. That's a bed. Oh. oh, and you got Gambino up there. Where's my poster? <laughs> Make some music. Drop a rap album. <laughs> What's the first thing that comes to mind for you when you just think of season one? I, what do I think? A whole, I, I knew I was felt so fortunate to actually get on a television show. I didn't realize I knew that it was difficult, but the every step to get onto a television show is like hitting a grand slam in uh, Yankee Stadium over and over again just to get there. And then once you finally get booked on one of these shows, then to get picked up is nearly impossible. Then to get out of your first season is nearly impossible. Duermo tarde, Espanol. Uno hora más. No, rearmi coche. I really need help with Spanish. Yeah, I was willing to bet. I'm Jeff. In Hollywood, a lot of the time, it's just getting noticed. I booked the soup without an agent. And so that, and then that kind of took off. And Dan's girlfriend at the time, Aaron Hill, suggested me for the role. And that's why I was able to even get in the room with Dan Harmon and the Russo brothers. And there's sometimes roles or stories will pop out at you and you'd be like, oh, this is very good. And I would love to be in it. And uh, I look back on that as I knew when we were making the pilot, I was like, this is very good. This is funny. 
and these people are funny. And uh, I knew that when it got picked up and we started doing it, I knew the episodes were so well written that uh, I I was like, I'm on a good show. And uh, no matter how it, uh, no matter how they they are executed, this this writing is great. And uh, and they were executed incredibly well. We had the Russo brothers in that first season, and they you know they went on to do nothing. And um, you know they 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 directed uh, small independent features for this company called Marvel. And so anyway, I look back on that that time. I had a newborn kid. Uh, my second, and I, I knew when we were making the show and I was like, don't forget these moments because this is a special time that you get to do this. And, uh, I look back at that time as that, and now everything else is just gray and sad. No, uh, everything, I just knew that that would, at that point in time, I was like, this, this is thing is going to end someday, but oh my gosh, it's fun and, and a really good show. Why? Oh, Britt invited me, is that cool? Oh, I can't think of a single logical reason why not. When you got the community script and you were reading Jeff Winger, I mean, what was it specifically about the character of Jeff Winger that either appealed to you or that you connected with? Boy, it's the same. Uh, I think I like the character so much because he was someone who participates with their arm extended. That they, they're like, yeah, 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 I'll do it, but just uh, let's just calm down. He was always very uh reticent to do anything but was game to do it and that is kind of how i am uh i'm always skeptical to a fault and sarcastic and uh a cynic uh, to a fault uh but and so i like and, and it was just such a well-written script and i you know i would have sawed off a pinky to to do it uh i didn't do that <laughs> but uh i would have so I think that's why, and and I knew I there. You'd read some scripts, and you go, "Well, this looks like it's gonna be done in a year. Like, how can they maintain this level of whatever they're doing?" And this one was a sandbox that you could like, "Oh, Dan can do anything he wants here," and he did. Uh, the only sort of looming goal was graduation, and Pierce proved that <laughs> you never had to leave. I was trained never to say this, but I think that group may be untutorable. Oh, really? The show started as one thing and, you know, gradually uh, kept evolving and changing. And, you know, towards the end of season one, and we talked to Dan about this, he started trying, obviously, different things. You guys did the uh, Goodfellas kind of parody. You did um, Modern Warfare Modern with Paintball. Like, was yeah. there a moment where you realized, like, oh, like, we're really transitioning to, to something else instead of the, you know, traditional, you know, group of friends uh, sitcom. I'll be honest here. I didn't feel the, any switch. Um, it all seemed to make sense to me that I was like, well, of course. Um, I don't think if you had said this is, you know, there's going to be an, uh, an episode that has five different timelines or six different timelines uh, that or how many timelines were there? Uh, I but six, I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that, but I kind of thought with the way Dan wrote, I was like, oh, there's, there's jokes in here that are so well done. I don't know. I just never went, oh, well this, this show's getting crazy. I never did anything <laughs> like that. Ah, okay. Starting on my left with one, your number comes up, you go. Just so you know, Jeff, you were not creating six different timelines. Of course I am, Abed. I think Ken's character uh, that he played so well, 
that son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> listen to the Darkest Timeline podcast, by the way. It's uh, Ken and I. But uh, I, the, I think his, he and Jim's characters and Danny allowed us to do anything, and especially Danny because he saw the world differently than everybody else. So to keep Danny in the group, we had to do his stuff because we loved him and wanted to. So I think that 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 helped us. That gave us the the key into the the keyhole that allowed you to do anything. And I think the paintball episode, that paint that first paintball showed that Dan Dan was willing and wonderfully going to bend the rules of space and time all the time. Thank God. Um, guys. And you brought up that paintball episode. I mean, looking back, that episode is very much an action movie episode shot on a NBC sitcom budget. Um, yeah, directed no, by we, Justin Lin. we definitely went over. That. <laughs> I will tell you, while they were shooting that episode, they would come in and go, you have to shut it down. And Justin Lin would just go, okay. And then they would walk out and we continue shooting. And uh, God bless Justin Lin. for. Ju and then you go like, oh, well, this is why Justin Lin is who Justin Lin is now. Because he just threw the rules out. And I'm like, yeah, we're just going to make what we're going to make. And by the way, the budget every year was reduced. That is why the first couple seasons, we actually went to a couple of locations. And that all stopped. That 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 was so that was finished. And if you watch, there's a couple, there's like a run in towards like the fifth season and third season. You, there's just no, we never go outside. There's no windows. Mm -hmm. It's like we're in that movie Dark City. It's just all Abbott and Choi's apartment. <laughs> it's just, it's just never, just never any windows to the outside. Dean never had. Dean had no windows in his. His window looked into a hallway. Yeah. That first season, too, what's funny looking back on it is how, like, the premise of the show is built around Jeff trying to get with Britta. Even though the show eventually moved past that, their relationship still remained one of the core relationships on the show. I mean, for you, looking back at that first season, what did you enjoy about about sort of the beginnings of their friendship and and how they bounce off of each other, how you and Gillian bounce off of each other that first year? I mean, I think it's – Gillian is – just one of the best actors I've ever seen or worked with. And I mean, I never believed in when someone walks into a room to audition room, they get the part. And that's kind of how it, I mean, she, soon as she opened her mouth and started doing it, I was like, I, she left the room and I'm, it's only happened this once where Dan and the Roosters and I just looked at each other and went, we're all agreed. And that was that. And of course, the studio and the network were like, who is she? We don't know who she is. We need someone we know. We don't know anything. We have to recognize it or we can't hire it. And uh, she didn't get the part until we were in the table read when everyone was already hired. But uh, that said, she played a wounded bird in, you know how when a, like a bird has a broken wing, they still do not want you to touch it. They don't want your help. They're just going to deal with it. That was Britta. And I think... She was broken. Her character was broken, just um, almost as broken as my character. Uh, and I think that's why those characters got along so well. She's just so funny. She's such a good performer. I, you know, it's one of those uh, just I there's 
she's why you would know there's a god because all that talent and all put into one place doesn't seem possible. Britta Perry! Oh, wow. This is a huge honor. This may come as a surprise to you, but I've never actually won anything before. Okay, well, I... you still have it. I'm just listing the nominees, so not a great time to get caught. Okay. We talked about how the show basically starts with this Jeff pursuing Britta and it yep. kind of builds up to the season finale of season one. And there's this whole Slater, Jeff, Britta love triangle, which he can't handle. It ends up walking out. And that's when we get him and Annie kissing. Well, yep. kind of, were you surprised about like kind of the direction? Obviously that seed had been planted a little bit earlier with Jeff and Annie. Um, yeah. With the I debate remember, episode. Yeah. I remember reading it and going, well, I remember we shot when we shot it, it was like four in the morning on a Friday or a Saturday morning and it was freezing and they kept watering the street. Uh, Cause for whatever reason, streets that are wet look better. And uh, we had our first, the, the first big kiss and Joe was directing and he said cut and he screamed and he goes, now that's a season one finale. And uh, I couldn't agree more. Dan always said like, these people are going to get together and break up in all sorts of different combinations because that's how it kind of works these people come to these people are all magnets and they all attract and they all repulse and they all do a couple different and, and so i was i was thrilled i think dan always did the opposite of what everybody said which was oh a character gets pregnant oh and then the show oh yeah no characters gonna get pregnant and have the baby and then we're gonna have the baby on the show and so stuff like that or people getting married or uh so yeah no i was i Every time we would read the script at the table reads, it was like getting a Christmas gift because I was just like, what wonderful thing are we going to learn this week? That was it. It was that simple. At that moment, we stopped being a family and started being yeah, a family I in italics. When we spoke to, I think, I'm pretty, sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was Yvette who said this yesterday when we spoke to her. Uh, she was going through the cast. She described you as fearless. And I was, I'm curious, I mean, looking back at that first season, was there anything in any of these episodes that either, that, that like either like frightened you or challenged you in a new way that you weren't expecting? I, I, I look at more as like the fact I was getting to do what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be on a good television show and act. And so I was skipping to work every day. So the acting challenges were, it wasn't the same challenge that my older brother has. He's an electrician. And he tries not to blow himself up. I always saw it as just this is I couldn't believe how cool the show was and how I got to be on it and how blessed I was. So I love working and I love acting. And so I, I look at it like if I die tomorrow, then I still got the bonus round. I mean, yeah, I was just asking because I think like looking back at like the beginner's pottery, the beginner's pottery episode from that season where like Jeff goes full gold bloom as, <laughs> as, as Abed says. No, 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 fine, fine, fine. Go ahead. Mock me. Oh, Jeff, you're gold blooming. Gold blooming? <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know what that means. That's like the first time we see like Jeff's like Mr. Cool demeanor drop and it's him having, having a breakdown of sorts, which is funny as a viewer, but I imagine like as an actor, it's like, you, it's like a task for you of like making sure you don't go too far, just go far enough and like or figure out what Jeff Goldblooming looks like. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, I used to do an, a poor Jeff Goldblum impression after Jurassic Park came out where uh, 
he would he was like very small imperfections and she's like imperfections varies and they i would do that scene with my friends so i already had kind of a slight impression going but i it would be that's what's so great about dance writing is that every character at first obviously you don't know these people yet and they seem like oh well this is this character in a show and then you realize he already he had a gigantic universe that uh, to explore in those characters and how different they were and just like Troy being a Jehovah's Witness, uh, which he really was, and uh, stuff like that just made it so, he gave it such great depth. Thank God. Season one of a show is so much about, I feel like, figuring out the characters and figuring out the dynamics and relationships. Like, we talked to Dan and, like, Troy and Abed, like, was something he discovered, you know, as you guys were going the first season. Was there mm -hmm. any like character directions or like dynamics uh, that kind of surprised you that you guys uh, stumbled upon in season one? Oh, I, th I think uh, Jeff and the Dean's relationship became uh, really good. Uh, just a funny dynamic between the two. And um, I love that. I think Chang was uh i think people thought oh he's the over-the-top crazy guy from uh the hangover but as we learned like we met his wife and then eventually he tried to kill everyone and he set <laughs> he fell in love with after his relationship broke up i mean he fell in love with a charred mannequin leg those like that stuff i love so the absurdity of it all is just wonderful i just can't i just it makes me so happy escort me to the valentine's dance wearing elegant ladies pantsuits <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you'll do it or you're filming class you can't do that have you met me and i think leonard um i think the old guy uh, he who we almost, as Dan would tell you, Richard Erdman, who began acting in the 40s, he died a couple of years ago in his mid-90s. And who would have thought that uh, that this guy would be there for all those crazy hours like we were and an extremely nice man. And um, we almost drowned him on the first episode he was ever in in the first season. The Jeff and Leonard thing was a, a highlight of my rewatch. I think I said something like, shut up, Leonard. I'll take you seriously when you start wearing a bathing suit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> something like that. Everyone on this campus is nuts. Not me. Oh, come on, Leonard. If you're going to argue with me, put on a bathing suit. Busted. Yeah, he was a nice old man. He was uh, Marlon Brando's roommate in the 40s. <laughs> what? That's... Uh, I also loved having a relationship with uh, John Oliver's character, and that was always, I mean, he was, he's not talented and he's not funny, uh, <laughs> but he, we found a way to make him look good. Whenever he was on set, I, everyone was always giddy with, because they were so happy he was there. He would, he would definitely be turning red right now out of embarrassment. How do you go to problem with me? And I don't like the fact that you're walking around here like you're better than me in front of my students. I'm sorry. Do you mind if we have this conversation in a room with less balls? You're, you're very confident, I'll say that. The way that Dan mixed and matched us uh, all through so many different things was just, I, I you know, I, I every, it, if you want to learn how to write a television show, but in, in you go to that and you'll see uh, how it's a masterclass. So we've been asking everyone um, or trying to when we remember, I guess, yeah, what episode are you looking forward to people 
either watching for the first time or rewatching after have ever after having not seen it for a while. Boy, the Goodfellas one always makes me very happy. Uh, the opening line or one of the opening lines when Abed said when he freezes and they said, "I knew I always wanted to be in a mafia f- movie." I say we knock him out of the kitchen and replace him with one of our own all in one move. Then we're the ones with the chicken. It's like a mafia movie. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be in a mafia movie. Cool. Whatever. And I was just like, oh, this is so wonderful. And then it turned into 16 Candles. And that (laughs) made me so happy. I'll put on a leather jacket and make out with an aerobics instructor. You pull around front and comedically startle passersby with your ability to talk. Maybe we should just stay here and have a plate of chicken fingers. Cool. Can we eat them while sitting on a table like in 16 Candles? Pick one reference, Abed. 16 candles. And just like that, the Mafia movie was over. I quit the fry cook job, somewhat for the sake of the family, but mostly for the sake of Jeff's ego. Poor guy. The Dungeons and Dragons episode, uh, the, I I know that that goes down in some people's as their favorite, um, and that really was truly hilarious. The fact that we're dealing with someone who is suicidal, through Dungeons and Dragons, we are trying to to make him to to not to stop him was pretty incredible and and then Pierce it's probably one of my favorite episodes of Chevy's when he gets the sword and he just like I wipe my ass with it and throw it off a cliff and I just it's just so funny the naked man is running into the woods he has my sword can we catch him please well the cloak that Duquesne gave him was an elven cloak of wind walking which is double speed so no he's gone <gasps> it. It took me 10 years and 50 campaigns to get that sword. Really? Maybe I'll wipe my with it and throw it off a cliff. And of course, the opening is Chang as the black drow. <laughs> and then Shirley going like, anybody going to report to hate crime? <laughs> oh, what a way to start a television show. Hey, Neil. This is going to be awesome, yo. So we're just going to ignore that hate crime, huh? I, I think so many shows play it safe and, and want to be on as comfort food. And what's so great is that Community is not comfort food. Thank God, you gotta you gotta get a reservation in advance. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, editor in chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Thank you so much to Joel McHale for joining us. Um, it was, like I said, it was a really interesting conversation with him. Chance, this is a question we were asking all of our guests, so I feel like it's only fair to put it to you. Um, when thinking of season one of Community, uh, what comes to mind first for you? I mean, I look, I wish I could say that it's like the paintball episode or the chicken finger episode, but honestly, the first thing, and it's, it's, it's something to this day that I still quote, is Abed's Batman impression from the Halloween episode, which, again, as a nerd, as a Batman fan, I remember losing it over that, especially because, like, with the Christian Bale voice, like, if I stay, there can be no party. I am Batman. Or am I? 
Yes, I am Batman. So good. It's so funny. And it's like, I don't know. I, that's the thing I think I remember the most from season one. What about you? Um, I think maybe uh, the La Biblioteca rap. Um, Iconic. Which, yeah. And I couldn't believe on the rewatch that that was the tag for, for, for the episode, the second episode, um, which is kind of crazy that it was that early. Donde esta la biblioteca, me llamo Tibon, la araña discoteca. NBC told them that they owed like six tags um, to go with the first six episodes. So they kind of threw those together. And for that to be thrown together, and that's how we end up getting La Biblioteca rap, um, mm -hmm. is really iconic. One of my favorite moments of the show in, in total. So the fact that it's in the second episode uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, what's your favorite uh, from the first season? I think I have to go with Modern Warfare. Like the fact that comedians going to do a paintball episode was like a was like a headline grabbing thing, you know? Because like if this is an NBC sitcom, like how are they going to pull that off? And like the episode over ten years later still looks, it still slaps, and it's still it's it's still great. One of my favorites, probably my, probably the favorite for me, contemporary American poultry. Every day you flock here like sheep and wait in line for a broken promise from a dirty system. Back in those days, Jeff Winger was the guy that made things happen. He always knew what to say, and he always knew when to slap the table. Which is kind of like a Goodfellas homage, parody, whatever you want to call it. I couldn't believe that they did that. And it's still on rewatch. Um, it's still so good and it's still so impressive. I, I mean, that's the introduction of, of Annie's boobs. So, I mean, that's a big uh, marker right there. Um, so, you know, forever. A key character. A key character, absolutely. So, so we can't forget about that. Isn't that right, Annie's boobs? Please rename that thing. I, as I mentioned in our first, our first installment, I really like the like holiday episodes. The uh, comparative religion episode um, was really a, a fun one for me. And that's actually one that, that Dan Harmon uh, pointed to a, as a particular favorite of his. Um, so kind of let's hear from him real quick about why he liked that one so much. I mean, I, th I think season one, like an episode that I never mentioned, but that I thought was really important was the Christmas episode. I respect all religions of the world. I'm Muslim. Jehovah's Witness. Atheist. The Lord is testing me. There was a lot of like juvenile energy to it. A lot of like almost too arch to be real kind of like TV energy coupled with a lot of like really grounded. These people are real um, uh, emotional moments. And it was just it was just kind of fun. That's when we had Anthony Michael Hall come uh, on as the as the bully that challenges Jeff to a fight. And, 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 then, and then and then just going out onto the front of the the LACC campus for that for the for the actual fight scene which, where it got so ridiculous and I remember I was like rolling my eyes in the edit bay at Adam Davidson a great director he had he had he had done one of those beg for forgiveness don't ask for permission things with the <laughs> the entourage of Anthony Michael Hall who are all these like ripped weird gymnasts who when one <laughs> of them like takes their shirt off and does a weird Olympic like uh, uh, flip. And I was like, what in the hell? And I remember R Russo going like, just, you know, it's fine. It's silly. It's fine. And I, it, I, I'm glad, I'm glad there was always somebody to like force me to tolerate funny stuff like that. So as Dan said that there's a lot of fun to be had in that episode. Obviously the Anthony Mike, Michael Hall cameo um, is a great callback mm -hmm. to the first episode with uh, Abed, you know, comparing them to, to the Breakfast Club. 
Um, so that so that was nice to see. Speaking of Abed, that's who we landed on as our MVP of the season, right? For me, it was Danny Pudi was the MVP. Why for you did he stand out this year? I mean, I think he had the sort of one of the harder drives in that first season because he's playing this guy who's like not neurotypical, who uh, at least as far at least in my mind as when I was watching it, I can remember like probably one of the earliest sort of very sort of again I don't want to use the word but like self-aware characters, aware that he's on a TV show and the way that the show sort of used that and used him to sort of funnel all the sort of pop culture, low pop culture, pop culture references through him and making them feel natural and not like a gimmick. I think he, he, I think he, he, a character that could easily become a gimmick, he, I think he, he, he does a really good job of making sure that it isn't. Yeah, for me, I mean, early on, he's the character that, you, that we had never seen before, right? Like, I mean, obviously early, these other actors would do a lot of great things with their characters and would evolve them and make them stand out in their own ways. But when Community started, like I had never seen an Abed character on TV. Um, so immediately you're interested and you want to kind of know where they're going to go with him. I'll have to make some adjustments to my film. Jeff, I think you should play the role of my father. I don't want to be your father. That's perfect, you already know your lines. We have our, our B Student Corner Award um, where we want to each episode highlight one of the more supporting characters. Um, for me, uh, the rewatch, I mean, Richard Erdman as Leonard, um, unfortunately, you know, Richard passed a, a couple years ago, but rewatching his performance in, in Leonard, uh, anytime Leonard popped on screen, I was just yeah. happy. I just had a smile on my face, right? I mean, it's insane. Like, he's there in episode, what, seven, eight? Like, he's there very close to the beginning. I think we yeah. first see him, what, it's, it's in debate when I won. Uh, he's in the swimming pool when Jeff uh, becomes a lawyer again. He's defending advanced criminal oh. law. Uh, I know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he's in the swimming pool while while it interrupts Jeff, like uh, trying to give his argument defending Britta, and uh, he just like shut up, Leonard. Um, and there's just this immediately. This dynamic is uh, we understand it, and it's a, a really great one. Um, and even I I think it's one of the last lines of the first season. Um, I think it's the tag of the season one finale. They're doing like a yearbook video and it goes to Leonard and he's like, what a year, only two pregnancy scares. <laughs> and I just lost it. I lost it. It's one of the uh, biggest laughs I got from the whole rewatch. There's a guy in between these things. <laughs> what a year, only two pregnancy scares. I give this year a D for delightful. I mean, this is getting ahead of us. I think one of my favorite moments from the final season is in the first episode ladders where like, he gets the frisbee. He flashes back to throwing it on top of the roof, and, he, and, it, and it crumbles in his hands. He's just like, like tears in rain. It's just so good. It was so good and so dark. Yeah. So, 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 props to him, um, Richard Erdman. Um, great performance throughout the run. I found your YouTube page. What's the point in reviewing frozen pizza? You're talking about it. Well, that is true. Other thing I think again when we talk about this, like how the season was built about is was sort of starts with Jeff trying to get with Britta, and then. Jeff starts dating Slater, and then in this finale, it's like we have this love triangle where Jeff, instead of choosing, he just walks out of the walks out of the, the dance and ends up kissing Annie. Which I remember being very surprised when that happened when I watched it the first time. Now it's kind of icky because of the very weird age difference that the characters had. Because um, at the time, Annie's supposed to be eighteen, Jeff is thirty. It's weird, icky, um, but it's still sort of a surprising twist, though. Um, no matter how uncomfortable I may feel about it now, I guess. Yeah, agreed. And that and it is like I said, there's there's a bit of an ick factor to it, um, and probably one of the reasons they 
Foley never went there either with that relationship. Um, obviously, there's ebbs and flows to it as the run goes. Um, but I mean, that big kiss happens outside of a, the transfer dance, which is one of my takeaways. Again, there were so many dances. I mean, so, I, so many dances. I love it. I mean, obviously they were doing that on purpose at a, at a certain point and they would make jokes about it. Like how many dances can this school have? Um, there were so many things that stuck out to me. Uh, I did love, we did go, this isn't like one of my favorite episodes, but I did want to highlight the Jack Black cameo or Jack, yes. the Jack Black guest star role in investigative journalism. You guys don't remember me, buddy? From Spanish class? Yeah, his body oh, from no, Spanish no. class. Yeah. I've never seen you before in my life. I've seen Buddy before. He sits in the corner next to the dead plant. Thank you, Abed. Jack Black just walks in, acting like uh, his, his <laughs> character there. Buddy has been there the whole time. <laughs> and there's kind of like flashbacks to Abed's the only one who's noticed him the whole time. Uh, and then it even uh, ends with an Owen Wilson uh, cameo, him just walking Dude. by and being like, Buddy, you're in the, you're in the other group. Uh, it was just like perfect casting and just like it was kind of a a time where it felt like those kind of uh people would come on this show and it was just maybe happy seeing those again i forgot that they were on there hey buddy hmm? the group thought about what you said we took a vote and you're in oh, 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 oh no way i'm in the cool group okay. <laughs> it's like christmas morning for the guy <laughs> welcome oh. this is Oh, this is awkward. You guys were my safety. I forgot that that uh, future that American Idol alum slash more importantly future Smash star Catherine McPhee guest star as Pearson's daughter I was delighted to be reminded of. Jeff. Amber. There she is. Look at you all grown hey. up. <laughs> Jeff, this is uh, my stepdaughter Amber. Small world. No, actually, it's a very big world with five billion other women in it. We could go on for, for hours about, about season one. So that's all the time we have uh, for this episode. You've heard all our thoughts about how much you love this show. If you want to share yours, you can find me on Twitter at Chancellor Agard. And me at Derek J. Lawrence. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to subscribe to EW's Binge wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, definitely tune in the next episode. We'll be talking season two uh, with not one, but two cast members, um, Yvette Nicole Brown and Ken Jeong. They were great together. Um, so you have that to look forward to. Um, until then, class dismissed.